0: This is the word of the living God, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. People of God, the book of Psalms is a precious book. A 17th century Puritan says the Psalms are, as it were, the anatomy of a holy man. If the scriptures to be compared to a body, Psalms... May well be the heart. They are so full of sweet and holy affection and passions. In other portions of scripture, God speaks to us. But in the psalm, holy men speak to God. Wherein we have the passages of a broken and humble soul to God. The book of Psalms is always there when we need strength. When we need to express our joy. When we look for a shelter, or when we look for forgiveness, the book of Psalms is always there. Even though God has blessed us with this book, but he also blessed us with something else. That is, to witness how God uses this book in people's life. And I would like to share one of those moments this morning. I would like to start with that. Seven years ago, I received a phone call from one of our members when I was serving as an assistant pastor. Our sister was crying. I didn't understand anything for a while. Then I learned that after a while, her husband was diagnosed with a very aggressive blood cancer. His name was Burak. Burak was only 41 years old. He was a very successful businessman. And he was a great evangelist. He was a very, very precious member for our church. And my pastor and I went to hospital right away. And we found Brock trembling in fear. Crying. Because he just learned that he has only one week. Or max two weeks to leave. So what could you do in that moment? My pastor began to read Psalms with Brock. And I could see how he transformed in front of me. He stopped crying. He stopped fearing. Before he died, a week later, his last last, uh, sentence to his wife was, do not be afraid. I am going home. So whenever I remember Brug, I remember the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, an unshakable hope we all have in Christ Jesus. This fearful man who was crying in agony was transformed to a fearless man just a matter of an hour. And so this incident and many of similar examples give us a clear message, dear brothers and sisters. The word of God is not an ordinary book. The word of God is not an ordinary book. It is the source of the eternal life. And today we will look at Psalm 23 to remind ourselves where our hope lies and where our strength comes from. So we will look at Psalm 23 with these two points. The Lord providentially provides and the Lord loyally protects Now, let us begin with our first point. The Lord providentially provides. We don't know when David exactly wrote this psalm. We don't have any information. But we can make a good guess about it. Most likely, David wrote this psalm in his youth. When he was called to be a shepherd to the flock of Israel from shepherding sheep from the field. But we don't know. We don't have the details about it. But what we know, David begins this psalm with a very bold, very daring, very daring starting, very daring statement, so to speak. He calls God my shepherd. But the word he uses in Hebrew is Yahweh. He doesn't use an ordinary word. He uses Yahweh. He says Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is the sacred covenant name of the Lord. Israelites were too afraid to use even their congregation. They would just stay in silence when they had to read the word yahweh. they wouldn 't read it. but David says, "Yahweh is my shepherd." David pictures a very intimate relationship from the beginning His, and in the original languages, we can also translate this Statements as Yahweh shepherds me. So this the, the one who is shepherding, Yahweh is shepherding. He is not just a noun, but he is acting as a shepherd. Yahweh shepherds me. And this psalm, we understand that this psalm is about God. This psalm is about where the source of David comes from. This psalm is not about David's feelings. This psalm is not about David's circumstances. This psalm is about the Lord. So having known the source of his faith, David declares, I shall not want, or we can translate it as I shall not lack anything. Because God has provided everything that David needed. The infinite Lord came to help to finite man, as the as uh, David also wrote in Psalm one hundred forty-four, he says, "Man is like breath." In Hebrew, also you can read this as because it's it makes sense, right? Man is like breath. We are here, and we are not there for a second later. This is how we are. How this is how David pictures us before us. But yet still, he says, "Lord shepherds me." The Lord is my shepherd. And let us remember exactly what the promise, which promise that the Lord has given David in Second Samuel chapter seven. God said to David, "I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house." For my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God gave David a promise of a savior. We don't know how much David understood about Jesus Christ, but we know that he knew about the savior. He knew about the Jesus Christ because God had given him this promise. He has given life to those who believe the name of the great shepherd as well. So today we ask the same question this morning as David. How can we still lack anything? How can we still lack anything? As Jesus Christ tells us in Matthew 6, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So therefore, by faith, we join David this morning, and I, we say, I shall not want, or we can say, we shall not like anything, because far from his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace. And the next verse, David also find rest in God. But we need to understand where exactly David finds his rest. David finds his rest in the promises of God, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So in other words, David finds his rest in the word of God. The green pasture is the word of God. Not just does God bring David to green pastures, but he also comforts him with his promises. David finds comfort because he knows that God is ever faithful and he would never return from his promises. And God not just gives him direction, but he also gives him comfort. And today, we read from Psalm 23, and we are also giving exactly the same thing. God also comforts us with his words. He also gives us direction like he gave to David. And we find our true joy in God's promises. One thing we need to be sure, we need to remind ourselves that God is not far from his people, people of God. Our God is not insensitive to how his people have been living in this fallen world. He is always with you as he was with David. He is always with you. He's with you right now. But the question is, how much do we understand it? How much do we believe in this? Just imagine how our life would be transformed if we really understood this truth. If we knew that God sees us every time, God witnessed everything we do. Just imagine how our lives would have been transformed having known that God is always with us, we would have completely hated sinning. We would be so fearful to sin because we would know that God sees us right now, at that moment. He's with us always. We would hate sin not just out of fear, but we would have hated sin because of God's love who comforts us in his promises. He loves us more than anyone in our lives, who is always faithful, who is the one who never leaves us in any circumstances. God is our true rest, beloved. He is our safe heaven where we can take refuge. The pleasures of this world is like drinking salty waters. But Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in verse 3, David says, He restores my soul. The Hebrew word for soul actually represents the person's whole being, not just soul, but God restores David feeling, God restores David. Personality, God restores his desire. God restores David completely. Not just his soul. And this is an idea we are familiar to read from New Testament as well. Paul says in First Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. And the path that. God leads His ship is not a hard path to follow. The Hebrew word also can be translated as wagon tracks. So this path is well worn. This path is clearly marked because it is used so often. This is the word David uses. It is not a hard path to follow. Yet God still leads us in this path even though it is easy to follow. So God has given us everything to walk on this path of righteousness. He marked the way. He leads us on this way. But why he does that? And we learn from, we have an answer in Psalm 23. David says, God does all of this for his name's sake. This is the main motivation of the Lord. God is a covenant-keeping Lord. And his name his, is his reputation. That's why we are all reminded from the law that we should not use God's name in vain because when we use God's name, we evoke his power and we damage his reputation. Samuel says in First Samuel, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. For his name's sake, God will bring all his sheep to the fold, to his fold, as he promised in John 10. Because no one can take them away from the Lord. And God also prefers them in every situation. The path might be easy path to follow. And the journey might be a pleasant one. But sometimes the great shepherd leads his flock through the places that a sheep would never go. David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God did not accidentally lead David to this valley dear brothers and sisters. This was not accident. And David says, I walk. You would expect, David, why you are not running? Why you are walking in this valley? And Hebrew word for the, the valley of Shadow also can be translated as deep darkness. So David cannot see anything. It's deep darkness, literally deep darkness. David doesn't see anything. David do not know about why God has led you, him in this valley, but he trusts the Lord. He walks by faith, not by sight. And why, we ask, but why would a good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep, lead a lamb into the valley full of danger? Why would he do that? And there is only one possible answer to this question, dear brothers and sisters, to get to a better place. A commentator says, when you are walking through some unfamiliar valley and the shadow lingers, when you have cancer and have to decide whether it will be chemotherapy or some other way, when you are trying to decide as a matter of Godly stewardship whether to take your money out of the market or let it ride, when your finances are tight, when you're taking on yet another job to make ends meet, remember this: your shepherd has appointed even this hard time as one of his paths of righteousness. He is leading you through this valley for reasons that probably won't be apparent. But rest assured, he is taking you to the high country where the sun is warm and the grass is lush. As Psalm 81, 11 says, No good does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or Paul puts it, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for, the, for those who are called according to his purpose. And the commentator finally finishes. He says, The valley isn't good, but the shepherd is. He knows the way. Trust the shepherd who gave his own life to prepare you a better place. Because he knows the way, dear brothers and sisters. And the Lord also loyally protects his children, which is our second point today. But first of all, I would like to draw your attention to verse 5. Because David's focus shifts from God being shepherd to God being host. Because of the New Testament, we are used to call God shepherd, especially John 10. But David calls Yahweh is my host. So when we think about when the host we think about a servant, right, who serves the meal, who prepares the table, who washes the dishes, who basically serves. And David says, Yahweh is my host. He prepares the table. And this is not also an unheard of imagery, imagery that we don't read in the New Testament In Matthew 20, 28, we read, Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. This is the same concept David talks about in Psalm 23. God who serves. God who hosts his people in his home, in his holy temple. And also being at this temple, this table was a great honor because this was the table of the king. And if you were sitting at this table, your enemies could only watch you from a far distance and no one could dare to touch you because you would be the guest of the Holy One, the king of kings. Brothers and sisters, this should be a great assurance for all of you. We tend to forget who we are when we go through the many trials of this life. We forget that we are sitting at this table. We feel depressed or anxious because we put our hope and joy on so many other things, on the visible things of this world. And when we lose the source of our joy and hope, we begin to feel depressed and anxious. When we lose our health, when we lose our job, When we lose a loved one, suddenly the world becomes meaningless. Suddenly we lost all the meanings. But let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, you are a child of God. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are sitting on this table. God has bought you with his precious blood, God has saved you from the darkness. You are his child now. That's why we read this amazing assurance in Romans 8. Neither death nor life will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is who you are. And at this table, Lord pledges loyalty to his children because he loves them everlastingly. The faithfulness of God is the reason our existence today. That's why we are here today. Because God is faithful. If God was not faithful, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have hope in this dark world. Beloved, you are never forgetting. And God wants us to understand this, this beautiful verse from Isaiah. He says... Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And his communion with his children will not be limited only this world. He will be loyal to his children even in their deaths. That's why David confidently says at the end of Psalm, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." The Hebrew word that Paul uh, David uses for "follow" is. Also used as pursue to harm, so David pictures us like love, uh, the love of God and His faithfulness, His goodness always pursue His people. This is how David writes. Even he goes out to another path. Even he doesn't want to walk on this path. He says, His goodness and His mercy always pursue me. They. God never leaves me. God is always after me. Beloved, our most important need is not to have nourishment for our bodies in this world, but salvation for our souls. And we must care for our souls as much as we care our bodies. And Jesus Christ is the only one who has granted salvation for our souls and who can save us from the dead. So we can say, As David, I shall not lack anything, and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh for the length of day. People of God, this psalm is about only one thing, and one thing alone. This psalm is about the gospel. This psalm is about Jesus Christ, who abolished the power of sin on the cross, Gave his life for sheep and gathered them all together under the banner of the Lord. This psalm is not about giving you false hopes of this life. You will continue to suffer in this fallen world. And you will continue to live among the sinful people. And Jesus Christ doesn't lie to you about this world. He says, in the world you you will have tribulations but he doesn't stop there yes we will struggle yes we will suffer yes we will get sick we will witness the death of our loved ones but jesus hasn't finished spoken he continues and tells you but take heart i have overcome the world he conquered the death and the tomb he has overcome he is victorious and there is even a greater news for you this morning Do you know, what is it? You are heirs of this victory. Paul says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So let us rejoice today, dear brothers and sisters. Let us rejoice because you are sons and daughters of the victorious king. You are partakers of this victory. And you will never be alone, even in death, which is the darkest valley we all have to walk through in our life. You will not be alone. The shepherd who leads you knows the way. Do not worry. He knows the way. That's why we sing, and the Lord haste the day when my fate shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, graciously grant that your word, which we have heard, may be inscribed inwardly on our hearts. As we receive your word meekly with pure affection, may our hearts be filled with love and reverence for you. All this we pray for the honor and praise of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.